Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of Streptococcus agalactiae, found under the microbiology section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 29-year-old woman at 36 weeks gestation presents to her obstetrician for a prenatal visit. She denies any bloody vaginal fluid production and endorses the presence of spontaneous fetal movement. Ultrasonography demonstrates infant size that is appropriate for gestational age. She undergoes a rectal and vaginal swab, which grows group B streptococci. Preparations are made to receive intrapartum penicillin G prophylaxis. This is a case of Streptococcus agalactiae. Streptococcus agalactiae, also known as group B strep, are gram-positive cocci. They are beta-hemolytic. They also produce CAMP factor, which is an extracellular substance that enlarges the area of hemolysis formed by Staphylococcus aureus. They are catalase-negative, facultative anaerobes, bacitracin-resistant, hippurate test-positive, and PYR-negative. The reservoir is the vagina and GI tract. At 35 to 37 weeks gestation, a rectal and vaginal swab is performed to determine the presence of group B streptococcus. If the cultures return positive for GBS, patients receive intrapartum penicillin G or ampicillin prophylaxis. Infection occurs in utero secondary to intraamniotic infection, rupture of membranes, or passage through the vagina. Associated conditions include neonatal meningitis, neonatal sepsis, and neonatal pneumonia. Neonatal septicemia presents with irritability, lethargy, and respiratory distress, including tachypnea, hypoxia, and grunting. Neonatal meningitis presents with irritability, lethargy, respiratory distress, poor feeding and vomiting, bulging fontanelle, and nuchal rigidity. Neonatal pneumonia presents with respiratory distress. Patients will have a diffuse alveolar pattern on chest radiography. Studies include GBS isolation from a sterile body site, such as blood and cerebrospinal fluid. The differential includes neonatal meningitis caused by other organisms, such as E. coli and Listeria monocytogenes. E. coli is gram-negative. Listeria monocytogenes is a gram-positive rod. Treatment includes penicillin G. It is indicated as the treatment of choice after GBS has been confirmed to be the only organism causing infection in the neonate and infant. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to Streptococcus agalactiae, let's walk through a question to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For this question, consider the following clinical scenario. A two-day-old infant male is brought to the emergency department with a five-hour history of vomiting and irritability. He was born at home and had unreliable prenatal care because his parents have been experiencing housing instability. About a day after birth, he started to become lethargic and was feeding poorly. His parents thought that he might just be tired so they put him to bed. However, by the next morning he started to vomit and act extremely irritable. On presentation, he is found to have nuchal rigidity and bulging fontanelles. Based on this presentation, appropriate cultures are obtained and he is placed on empiric antibiotics. After all cultures grow out the same gram-positive bacteria, the patient is narrowed to penicillin G. Which of the following is a characteristic of the most likely organism that is causing this patient's symptoms? Choice 1. Creates a green zone of hemolysis on blood auger. 
Choice 2. Enlarges hemolytic area of Staphylococcus aureus. Choice 3. Produces lipooligosaccharide rather than lipopolysaccharide. Choice 4. Produces toxin that increases CAMP levels. Choice 5. Tumbling motility in broth at 22 degrees. The correct answer is choice 2. Enlarges hemolytic area of Staphylococcus aureus. This patient with nuchal rigidity and bulging fontanelles most likely has neonatal meningitis due to Streptococcus agalactiae given the narrowing of treatment to penicillin G after culture results were known. Streptococcus agalactiae is a gram-positive cocci that most commonly causes in utero or neonatal infections such as sepsis, pneumonia, and meningitis. Since it commonly colonizes the vagina, a rectal and vaginal swab is often performed between 35 and 37 weeks of gestation to allow for prophylactic treatment with penicillin G. The organism is beta-hemolytic and also produces the camp factor, which is an extracellular substance that enlarges the area of hemolysis formed by Staphylococcus aureus. Other characteristics of this organism include being a facultative anaerobe, catalase negative, bacitracin resistant, and hippurate positive. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Creating a green zone of hemolysis on blood auger is consistent with the behavior of Streptococcus pneumoniae, which most commonly causes meningitis in adults and children. However, this organism is unlikely to cause meningitis in neonates. Choice 3. Producing lipooligosaccharide rather than lipopolysaccharide is characteristic of Neisseria meningitidis. However, this organism would be treated with a third-generation cephalosporin rather than penicillin G. Choice 4. Producing toxin that increases CAMP levels is characteristic of E. coli, which can also cause neonatal meningitis. However, this organism would be treated with ampicillin or cephalosporins rather than penicillin G. Choice 5. Tumbling motility in broth at 22 degrees is characteristic of Listeria monocytogenes. However, this organism would be treated with ampicillin rather than penicillin G. Finally, a bullet summary. Streptococcus agalactiae is a common cause of neonatal meningitis that can be treated with penicillin G. That's all for this review about Streptococcus agalactiae. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session from MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on medbullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we would be thrilled if you would consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.